Hello, listeners. My name is Jim Bass, the assistant podcast editor for The Red and Black and one of your co-hosts for the Front Page Podcast. We have a lot of great coverage for the year ahead, but today we have actually have a special debut episode of The Red and Black's newest weekly podcast called Between the Headphones, hosted by Stuart Steele, our sports editor. Between the Headphones zeroes in on everything UGA football from post-game discussion, game day previews, and off-the-field topics as well. Today you'll be hearing episode one, but going forward you'll be able to find Between the Headphones on all major podcast platforms. The front page will return with regular content next week, but for now, here is Between the Headphones. Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia football podcast. I'm Stuart Steele, the sports editor at The Ren Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, the Ren Black Football Beat will look back on the previous week's game and preview the matchup for next week. All right, we're here with John James, one of the football writers for the Ren Black, and we're going to be talking about the offseason that we just went through ahead of the season opener against Oregon. Um, welcome to the podcast, John. Thanks for having me, Stuart. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so I wanted to start with... Um, the probably the most important transaction Georgia made this offseason was extending Kirby Smart uh, on a 10-year contract worth $112 million. I mean, obviously he's done a great job in his time here, and it's it's big to lock up your future like that. But uh, what are your thoughts on kind of the contract? I think it's a good deal from all sides, Stuart. I mean, based on uh, Kirby's track record, I mean, when he got here, Georgia was an 8-5 and five team unranked in his first season. And since then, they haven't finished lower than 7th. I mean... Uh, that's just an, an incredible streak of performance. And if you look at some of the comparable deals, I mean, Brian Kelly getting $100 million, Dabo getting $93 million, uh, none of those guys have quite the same record of just consistency that Kirby does. So I think it's a really, really good deal for the Bulldogs. And uh, I wanted to ask just a legacy-based question. I mean, do you think at the end of this deal we'll be looking at Kirby Smart as the best coach in Georgia history? I Got to be honest, Stuart, I'm not super fond of comparisons. I think Kirby's a really good coach. I think Dooley was a really good coach. Uh, but if Kirby gets one more ring, I think he has to He has to jump. I think he has to jump to the top, right? I would say so. I mean, I think you could already make the argument. Obviously, um, there's plenty of people that were alive back then. I wasn't. So I'm sure a lot of those people would stand by Dooley. But um, Kirby, what he's done in just a short time, and I mean, he had a tough challenge coming in after Rick, I think, because Rick was a high floor kind of coach. I mean, you were always going to win at least, you know, eight or nine games. And he had a high ceiling as well when he had a good season. So I think Kirby's done a lot to even raise that floor up. I mean, it's really like a 10 win kind of floor for Georgia in a regular season. So, I mean, I would already pick Kirby as the best Georgia coach ever. I mean, just anecdotally, when I... Rick was my coach. Like, if you said a bad word about Mark Rick, I was willing to fight you. Um, so I think Kirby coming in after that and doing what he's done with the team has just been really impressive. So on the subject of uh, head coaches around the college football landscape, uh, Dan Lanning, obviously, coming from Georgia as the defensive coordinator, now the head coach at Oregon. I mean, what are your thoughts on that from a Georgia perspective, and how do you see kind of uh, Kirby Smart and that staff dealing with the loss of Lanning? Um I'm I'm less worried about the coaching perspective. I think uh, Kirby's a defensive coach at his core. I think the Georgia defense is always going to be good because Kirby's running it. Um, I am slightly more concerned about the the depth of talent that Georgia lost to the NFL draft this year. Yeah, so I mean, obviously Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall, that whole linebacking core. 
I mean, eight total defensive players to the draft. That's a lot to deal with. But um, I think there's kind of a feeling around the Georgia fan base and just Georgia football in general that it's going to be fine. Is that kind of your feeling on it as well? I mean, they won't be elite, but it'll be kind of a top 20, top 15 kind of unit still. Uh, fine is a uh, is an interesting word. I think it really depends on what your definition of fine is. Uh, there's definitely going to be a drop off, um, but I think that defensive line is still going to be really stout. I mean, you got Zion Logue, Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter might have been the best player on a team that had Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker. I mean, I think the the defensive line is really going to carry this team to a a top fifteen finish in in the defensive rankings, like you said. Yeah. And obviously, linebacker is a big area of concern as well, seeing as they lost all three of their primary starters last year. I mean, uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson obviously has been a big person we focused on in our writing as somebody who's going to fill that gap. But um, who else in that room do you see as a, a real contender for those jobs? Well, uh, I just finished talking to Smile Munden recently, uh, and he said uh, that the game is really slowing down for him uh, over his freshman year. I think he's... Uh, I think he's starting to see the game uh, a little more in depth, and I think that's gonna. He's, I mean, he might really surprise some people this season. Um, as far as the rest of the linebackers, I've got a, a few concerns. Um, uh, Tresman Marshall and Ryan, Ryan Davis both have a little bit of injury history, and so if they 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 fall back into that track, uh, I think we might have some depth issues at the linebacker core, and they didn't really bring in any freshman contenders. So. Um, the, the UGA linebacker core is looking a little thin this year. So one player primed for a bigger role that we've already discussed is uh, linebacker Jamon Dumas-Johnson. But um, one of the most fun things about looking at a new football season is trying to predict who's going to break out. And, I mean, like we were saying, in this defense with so much experience leaving, there's a lot of room for breakout players. Do you have anyone in particular you're looking at? On the defense, uh, I've singled out Malachi Starks as one guy I, I really think could turn some heads this year. Um, just on that on that slowing down uh, motif that I mentioned earlier, uh, at the, at the G-Day game, he was just playing too fast. He was His feet were moving faster than his brain, and I think as he gets a few more reps in, as he gets some time under his feet, I think uh, he, he's going he's gonna to start to realize what's going on, and I think he's going to really, really make an impact on this defense. Yeah, I mean, I think Malachi's a great pick. I mean, for me, a freshman on the defense I really like is Michael Williams, watching him at G-Day, his athleticism really just jumps off the page. And I feel like as at least a situational kind of pass rusher, I think he could make an instant impact on third downs and stuff like that. And, I mean, while they do have Beal and Nolan Smith, Robert Beal and Nolan Smith still out there on the edges, I think you're going to need more than just that, especially with the way Georgia likes to rotate. So I see Michael Williams having a bigger role than many maybe expect. So now moving to the offensive side of the ball, is there anybody over there that you feel stands out as a breakout candidate? Well, the, the Dogs just lost a pair of their starting running backs, uh, so I, th- I feel like there's a there's a gap there that needs to be filled by somebody. And the guy I'm picking to fill that gap is Kendall Milton. Uh, I spoke with him in the spring, and he talked a lot about how he felt like Zamir and James were really passing the torch to him, and he really emphasized that he wanted to, uh, he wanted to take that torch and run with it. He wanted to uphold that standard that they set, and I think he can he can really do that this this year. So yeah, for me, I mean, it's almost a cliche at this point to talk about the tight end room because it's been so universally lauded this off season with uh, Brock Bowers leading the way, of course. But um, Arik Gilbert coming into this offense, I think, is going to have a chance to really make some plays. He showed it at G Day in the red zone, his ability to get open and also make some contested catches, obviously. And then 
Darnell Washington's another guy that I felt like for the last two seasons, if they just utilized him more in the passing game, it would really help out the quarterbacks. Again, in the red zone, it's a 6-7 target. I mean, just throw it up in his area and let him go get it. He had that one against Alabama in the SEC title game that was almost literally a basketball rebound, and I think that's kind of something we could see more from in the, the red zone for Georgia's offense. Uh, you mentioned a pair of tight ends there, Darnell Washington and Eric Gilbert, both of whom have uh, a little bit of injury in their past. Um, and I think one guy who, who could really take advantage of a potential injury in the offense is Oscar Dope, who you know that I'm high on. Um, I think if one of Eric or uh, Darnell goes down, uh, he could he could really flash some potential, he, which he did in the G-Day game. Yeah, he looked great in the G-Day game. So moving from the tight ends, let's talk a little bit about the man that's going to be throwing them the ball. Stetson Bennett, obviously, coming off a national title, and he always has a lot of doubters. I mean, all throughout last season, even me, I wrote about it a lot. I didn't think Georgia was going to win a national championship with Stetson Bennett. I thought JT was going to have to come in and play at some point for them to get it done, but he proved me and a million other sports writers wrong, obviously. I mean, what do you see out of Stetson this year? Do you think there's any more step forward he's going to take, or is it going to be the same guy as last year? I think he's definitely going to take a step forward this year, um, to be honest. I think that the offense really has a chance to carry this team in a way that the defense did last year, um, because that defense is definitely going to take a step back, as we discussed. So I feel like the offense has to take a step forward if you want to keep at that level that you were last year. And I think uh, this team this team wants to show people, hey, we're more than just what we did last year. We're, we're a new team. We're a new, we have a new identity. We're going to throw the ball. We're going to make Stetson Bennett look really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, I was saying I was low on Stetson last year. I think I'm as high as anybody this year on Stetson Bennett. I mean, I picked him as my offensive MVP for our Classic City kickoff issue. Um, I think the weapons around him, I think A.D. Mitchell is going to be great this year. I think Bowers is still Brock Bowers. You got those other tight ends we talked about. McIntosh and Milton both can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. McConkey, I mean, he's set up about as well as anybody in college football to have a very productive season. I think Todd Munkin understands how to use Stetson as well. I mean, rolling him out, getting him on the move, I think it's going to be a big year for Stetson Bennett. If there's any reason to break a little bit on the Stetson hype, it's that the offensive line lost a couple guys in the offseason, and that might be a weak link for the offense this year. I just don't buy that, quite frankly. I mean, Broderick Jones is stepping in at left tackle. I think he's going to be a stud. I think Tate Ratledge is back. I think he's going to slot right in as well. I think the line is going to be a strength for Georgia in a way it maybe wasn't even last year, honestly, with Salyer up there and uh, Schaefer and those guys. But I am really high on Georgia's offensive line as well. You heard it here first, folks. The offensive line is the strength of the team. <laughs> Leading Stetson Bennett to the Heisman. All right, so kind of wrapping up here, I mean, what are your thoughts on Georgia's season? Where do you see them finishing regular season-wise and in any potential postseason play as well? I think the Bulldogs are really well positioned this year, uh, both with strength to schedule and the strength of the team. Um, but I, in the end, I'm ultimately predicting a first-round playoff exit for the Bulldogs. All right, John, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, Stu. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. I'm joined now by uh, Parth Patel, another of our football beat writers, to talk about the upcoming Georgia-Oregon game. Uh, welcome to the show, Parth. Yep, it's good to be here. Yeah, so I want to start with something we touched on in the first segment of the show a little bit, which is Dan Lanning's departure. I mean, we talked about it a little bit from George's perspective, but now I wanted to ask you how you see him 
doing as a head coach at Oregon? Yeah, I think for Dan Lanning, I think just his mindset on defense paired with like the good defenders, good young defenders they have on, on that defense. I think in two to three years, Oregon could be sporting a top 10 defense. I see a lot of growth for that team on the defensive side. And I think they had a, they had a strong start last year. You know, they upset at Ohio State. They played pretty well and sound on defense. They would kind of bend and don't break. I think Dan Lanning really helps them in that regard to kind of taking that next step to go where they want to go. So I think it's a perfect fit for both sides. And I think I think Oregon's defense in the next three years is going to be it's going to be one to watch. Yeah. So a couple times there you were talking about the next couple years, which I think is interesting because obviously we're playing them next week. I mean, where do you see Oregon football this season? I mean, do you see them as a contender for the Pac-12 or are they kind of just a fringe top 25 kind of team like they have been the last couple years? Yeah, I think Oregon this year is going to be kind of a fringe 25 team. I think they have a really high upside to kind of go to a big bowl game, maybe even a New Year's Six Bowl, but I think that's going to really come down to their offensive side and what, what they can get out of Bo Nix and the other pieces they have on offense. But I think I think they've got the foundation there, and I think they can flirt with kind of a top 25 finish. Yeah, so, I mean, I think one of the fascinating angles on this game is the matchup of landing with Kirby Smart, where there's a lot of familiarity going both ways, obviously, uh, Lang's been on smart staff for a few seasons now. I mean, how do you see that playing out? Do you think that has an impact on either coach, or is it more of just kind of a backdrop for the game? Yeah, I think in this regard, I think it's going to help Kirby a little bit more just because he's going to know kind of the defensive scheme that Lanning's going to run and kind of how to attack that defense with Georgia's offense. I think Lanning's understanding of kind of Georgia's defense and their offense is It'll help Oregon, but I just don't see them having enough impact players right now to kind of be a big impact in the game where I see on from Georgia's side just knowing what to do with their offense to kind of attack that defense, which they're kind of going up against the same scheme and practice every day is really going to help Georgia in that regard. All right, so speaking to some of that individual talent Oregon has on its defense, um, maybe it's not up to the par of uh, what Dan Lanning had last year with N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall, Jordan Davis, all those great players, but Noah Sewell, Brandon Dorless, and Justin Flo are just a, a few of the names that I'm really excited to see in this Dan Lanning defense. I mean, what do you expect to see out of that trio? Yeah, I mean, I think those are all just really fast um, physical players. I think they'll be, they'll be able to play kind of the physicality that Dan Lanning wants. I think Flo in particular was someone Dan Lanning wanted to bring to Georgia when he was out recruiting him so I think that's going to be those are going to be some good core pieces for Oregon's defense and I think with those dudes paired with their pass rush they have even losing Kayvon Thibodeau to the NFL and some other players I think they'll be able to kind of pick up where they left off last year and kind of just play at that consistent level where they were last year and I think as these players start to grow in the next year or two I think they can ultimately take that step along with the players they add through recruitment. Yeah, I mean, I particularly think Sewell is going to fit right in with Lanning. I mean, in that N'Kobe Dean kind of role in that linebacker spot, I think he's going to have a massive season, and I think he'll be a top pick in next year's draft probably first couple rounds. So moving from Oregon's defense to the offensive side of the ball, obviously a player Georgia fans are super familiar with is Bo Nix, who has played Georgia three times in the past. He's lost all three of those meetings with the Auburn, and honestly, I think his performance has kind of gone down each time against Georgia I mean where do you see Bo Nix fitting in with this Oregon offense and do you think he can maybe get a win against Georgia finally yes I think 
the one good thing Bo Nix has going with him is he's reunited with his former OC and Kenny Dillingham from Auburn. So I think the only question mark against Bo Nix is he's got to learn the offense and kind of fit in with them. They they lost their starting running back. And I think the biggest thing in Bo Nix's career has been his weakness in road games. Obviously, this is a neutral site, but he hasn't played well on the road and obviously hasn't played well against Georgia. The one plus thing with Bo Nix is his mobility, though. Kirby's touched on in the past. He's a really physical runner, and that gives Georgia's defense a little bit of trouble. I think for Bo Nix, it's really just going to end up on which Bo Nix we see. I mean, his freshman year, he was really good. I believe his first win was against Oregon in week one, where he came out as a true freshman and was played lights out. But obviously, since his freshman year, he's kind of hit that cliff and fell off a little bit. So I think it's really just going to be what Bo Nix we get. I'm I'm expecting more balanced Bo Nix kind of I think Oregon will use him more as a runner a little bit just because it can give Georgia's defense a little bit of an issue with his mobility. So I mean we'll see what we get from Bo Nix, but I think I think a balanced approach from him could work pretty well for Oregon. But I mean I don't think I don't think this is the year he's gonna beat Georgia just because a lot of question marks on that offense and it, it's gonna be his first game with Oregon. So I think I think he can keep it close, but I don't think he's going to end up getting the win. I think you touched on something interesting there, which is that whenever Kirby has talked about Bo Nix, he always is very glowing about him and really likes what he brings to the table. And I think it kind of shows in like what Kirby talks about liking about Stetson, about his mobility and that, that added element to the offense. And I think the way Bo Nix could pull off this upset and maybe beat Georgia is making those plays off schedule. And it, it didn't work last year at all for him against Georgia, pretty much. But that was such a special defensive unit that it almost wouldn't work for anybody. I mean, other than Bryce Young in the SEC title game. So I think if Bo Nix can make some of those off schedule plays and turn some broken plays into big gainers, I think there could be trouble for Georgia here. So now moving to Georgia's offense, obviously last season, the opening game against Clemson, the offense put up three points and, I mean, really was bailed out by an incredible defensive performance and a pick six by Christopher Smith. Do you see any kind of sluggishness from the offense coming out of the gate this year, or do you think that the kind of continuity that they have is going to be a big factor? Yeah, um, I I would be really surprised if Georgia's offense came out slow. I think having Stetson being the starter, being in his sixth year with the team, just his familiar, familiarity with the offense is just going to help them come out of the gate fast. I think, I mean, their tight end room and wide receiver room is going to create a lot of mismatches for them. Where, I mean, because last year in week one, we didn't even know how good Brock Bowers is. But having a full offseason with him and building that relationship with Stetson, I think I would honestly be very surprised if Georgia's offense came out slow. And I think it would be a little bit concerning if they did. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't see it being the same as last year. I certainly don't see him scoring three points, but... I could see maybe a slow start in the first quarter just because of it being a new season, but in my mind when I picture this game, I see it kind of playing out the way the Michigan game did last season in the Orange Bowl. I mean, the offense came out just firing on all cylinders. Bowers was immediately involved. Stetson was making some down-the-field throws that he doesn't always make, but he seemed very confident, and I think Georgia's going to have a swagger coming into this game. I mean, it's coming off a national title. I mean... I think this group still feels it has a lot to prove. I think Stetson in particular is always going to have a chip on his shoulder. So I think there's a lot to be said for this offense in particular, feeling like it's its year to lead the way for the team. 
Yeah, I think I think you touched on it great. I think Stetson in that offense is really going to be playing with house money this year. I mean, they're coming off a national championship, but you have all this criticism about, oh, their defense is going to fall up. Can Stetson in the offense handle it? And I think, I think people forget in that Michigan game, Georgia's offense really pretty much ended that game in the first half. I mean, they were lights out. I mean, even if the defense didn't play well, Georgia was going to win that game because of their offense. In the fourth quarter of the national championship game, Stetson made some big plays, and I think... Stetson coming in, knowing this is his last year, playing with house money. I think his confidence is really going to be a big factor for this offense. So we've talked through a lot of the major points on this game. I I wanted to get your general feel on how it's going to go on Saturday. Yes, I think, I mean, we alluded to it. I think the offense is going to come out of the gate really fast. I think they'll they'll slow down, I think, because Oregon will make some adjustments in the third quarter. But I think the defense will just do enough to sustain it. I think... Georgia overall will just ride out to kind of a 31-17 win. I think just fast offense, and I think the defense will be good enough to create some havoc for Bo Nix, and I don't see – I see Oregon kind of scoring some late points in the fourth quarter, but I don't I don't see this one being that close. I agree. I mean, I think Georgia, like I was saying earlier, is going to come out fast, I believe, and I think it's just going to be too much for Oregon. And I agree that maybe second half it tightens up a little bit. Maybe we get to like a – 24-17 at some point or something like that where it could go either way. But um, I think Georgia pulls away, and I'd probably go maybe 34-17, similar to you. Well, all right, Parth, thanks for joining us on the Between the Headphones podcast. Yep, it was great being here. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm Stuart Steele. You can find other episodes wherever you get your podcasts and on redandblack.com. For even more Georgia football coverage, visit renblack.com slash gameday. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.